Coming up on this week's episode, we are talking England, Germany and how international friendlies can be improved. Plus Liam's got a quiz, uh, who am I? And there's more wonders of white, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to a new episode of View from the Sideline podcast. It's Chris here. Liam is here as well. Hello, Liam. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. You? Yeah, not not too bad at all. Just uh, willing another international break to come to an end. It's felt long. I don't know why it's felt so long this time. <laughs> it gets longer every time uh, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we are going to... Um, I suppose this podcast is... is 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 more around sort of the international duty <coughs> and some of the um, the news that broke out, I guess over the weekend about Germany as well. Um, so I guess I guess we could start by talking about England. Um, the as we record this, they've played Scotland last night, uh, which was a lot better. <laughs> A lot of their game and performance <laughs> overall than what it was against Ukraine. So we were supposed to record on Monday night, which we wouldn't have covered the, the Scotland game. Um, but that has happened now. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the two, I know, I know playing Ukraine is always going to be a bit difficult, especially away. And from my sort of understanding of what Gareth Southgate at, at, Said after the game, he he seemed to be quite pleased with the point, um, but the the performance seemed to be really really lacking. Um, and then especially when you compare it to last night, when all right, you know, there's a bit more hype around the game due to the fact that you know it's a, it's an, a Scotland England game, um, so it was always going to be a bit more intense, a bit more fiery, um, but it it definitely. I, I thought to for me it it showed some of the best that, that England can can do, um, but there still seems to be issues around the defence. Yeah. Um, I mean Bellingham. I mean, uh, you know, you, you've got a future Ballon d'Or winner there. I think. Yeah. You know, playing for England, and to me, even though he's such a young age, I, I know Harry Kane is probably at the top of the team sheet for. Gareth Southgate, but he doesn't really have that much competition, you yeah. know, from a striking point of view. Whereas we do have quite a few midfielders. Um, but I definitely, I think, you know, obviously Gareth Southgate has, has already said that, you know, after the Euros, he's more than likely going to step down. It, you would be silly not to build around, mm-hmm. you know, Bellingham. I mean, some of the passing he did last night. I mean, the, the especially for the um, Kane goal. Yeah. Um, he was just he just makes everything look so effortless, and he, he you know I think it's looking at him. I think you, people don't realise how young he actually is. He's you know yeah. I think he's still is he twenty nineteen twenty I think yeah twenty around there. So yeah. you know he was absolutely brilliant. He was the best player on the pitch. Yeah, by a long um, way. By a long way last night. Um, but, yeah, two very contrasting games. Um, but like I said, still issues at the back. I don't know if there was a problem with Gehi. 
yesterday. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Do, was there an injury or? Uh, I'm not too sure. It, it just it came off quite early, and I don't think I don't think he would have been taken off because yeah, I I thought he did, he did all right in in the the bit that he did play, but you yeah. he didn't do anything to suggest he needed. I off. thought him and Dunk played quite well. I thought they played quite well, but... Yeah. Who... You know, there's there's still improvements to be made because there was a few good chances that Scotland could have could have done a lot better. I think McGinn missed the header, didn't he, when, yeah. you know, just over... Um, you know, and, and Scotland were a real threat when they were coming forward. But... Yeah, overall, I think last night is is more what I think from an England fan is what you want to see. Whereas I think the approach against Ukraine, sort of end of last week, was very sort of slow and steady, and you know the build up just it it just wasn't yeah. there. It just felt, it felt like it was a game in slow motion for for England, but they didn't really yeah. create many chances, and. Yeah, it just it just it just lacked all around. Um, but luckily, uh, Italy drew, didn't they, with North Macedonia? So yeah, I mean that that prob- that that's helped. So it, it yeah. hasn't really dampened the 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 position that England are in. Yeah, but that, I think you you mentioned it being slow and God, it was, wasn't it? It just seemed to go on and on. But I think that's the frustrating thing. It was yeah. almost as if we were playing for a draw, and I know Ukraine played well. I think they they set themselves up against us yeah. to force us to play slowly, but there was just no urgency. It didn't it didn't look like we wanted to go out and and win the game. It looked like we were just happy to sit there and take one all, uh, which from I mean from going behind, yes, you probably do say you come back and at least get a draw and maybe you're lucky to get out but it's frustrating that you combine a performance like that with a team a team selection that's been heavily criticised like it has yeah we've spoken countless times about Maguire and Phillips and Henderson and a number of people that are involved that you could argue shouldn't be involved and then there's a number of people that aren't involved that you argue should be involved yeah I don't know whether it it would have changed the game against Ukraine, but it's frustrating when you add in the negativity that's always around the selection to a performance like that. I should say, Southgate's just his own worst enemy, I think, sometimes. I'm not saying he should bow to pressure for everybody. You know, if he wants to keep on picking Maguire, fine. But the performances don't merit the inclusion. If If Maguire, you know, around the time of the... World Cup in 2018 when we did so well to get to the semi-final he was a big part of that and I know Southgate says he's not done anything wrong in an England shirt arguably he has now as of Tuesday but um, he's not really done anything to say he's a standout performer and I can say the same about Phillips and Henderson there's Maguire's a defender I know he's not going to stand out particularly but there are people in that squad that you look at a game like Ukraine and you think you should be the ones to to just take us forward you know to give us a bit of momentum to give us a bit of pace to give us a, a you know that that one bit of creativity yeah and 
there were so many players in the team that I think have the possibility to do that that weren't selected. We were searching for a goal and he took off Madison and... Is it Madison and Saka that he t- took off? Yeah, he no, did, Madison yeah. and Bellingham or something. Belling- yeah, yeah. And we're meant to be... Ch- like. We're not meant to be happy with one all against Ukraine. We're meant to be looking for a winning goal. So I don't understand why why take off your two most creative players. Your well, Bellingham's the most informed player at the moment for in an England shirt, and Madison was probably looking like our most creative player on the night. And it just yeah, it just confused me a little bit. Well, it felt like he was happy yeah. to come out of it with a draw. Well, that's what I. That's with the interview you gave after the match. It felt like that that's how he set the team up. I mean, yeah. But I mean, you know, in the day, I, I did read somewhere hit today that Calvin Phillips has started more games for England than he has for Man City. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And and you got to think, how is he getting picked? Like, why is he getting picked? Because yeah. Paul Prowse must be sat at home thinking, you know, what have I done wrong? Yeah, like, literally, like why. Why am I not there? Because the, fr- yeah. the frustration is that he and I've said this before when um, Grealish was looking at being in the team. I know he was injured this time around, but when he was playing well for Villa, Southgate was saying, "I pick players on form." You know, when he came in, he said, I was, I was, "I'm going to pick players on form." Grealish hit form. Then it was, "I'm going to pick players who are playing regularly for top clubs." So there's two methods that he uses to select people. Now, Maguire isn't on form, but he's playing... Well, he plays for Manchester United, although he's not playing at the moment. So you can argue that about him and Phillips. They're playing for top clubs, even if they're not getting much game time. But Jordan Henderson doesn't anymore. So you've got to have some consistency. Either stand by your word or or don't, don't say those things. Just say there's plenty of ways that you can get into the England team it's not exclusive to any one individual but the fact that he came out and time after time said I'm going to select on form and I'm going to select the people who are playing at the highest level and then he's gone against his word again and again it's just it's it's It's, frustrating I'd I'd rather he didn't say anything and didn't set out that standard to begin with to be honest I, I, I think in my head, I think all three players that you've mentioned there, Maguire, Henderson and Phillips, if fit, I think they'll go to the Euros. Yeah, I think you're I don't, right. I don't think, I think, I think in his mind, I think the last two team selections he's made are more than likely going to be the ones that he is going to take. Yeah. Um, if they've not, if they've not been yeah. dropped by now, they're, they're not going to be dropped. No, no, he's not, he's not going to, pick you know these players and then not take them yeah you know, there's a reason why he's picking them and he, he says because he trusts them but i don't know i, I think no. i think that there's two he, he kind of came in and said that he'd be picking on form and he he really hasn't <laughs> it's no. he's, he's not no, really not happening at all. so yeah I don't, I don't really know but um yeah, so uh, there's more. I think England got more games that are coming up, I and mean, they they they're playing Australia in a friendly, and then Italy in the qualifiers. Um, in Nov, end of October, I think it is. 
think somewhere around there. But so not not long to go until the next international break. Um, I'm pretty sure fun. it's literally about four weeks. But in yeah, thirteenth of October. And then they've got more games in November, I think, as well. Yes, you're right. So we've got yeah Australia on the Friday the thirteenth. That's going to go well. And uh, England, Italy, Tuesday the seventeenth, and then yeah. yes, exactly a month later, Friday the seventeenth of November, against a home against Malta. You'd, you'd hope we win that. Two real glamour ties these in no, in November. Then we're on on the twentieth of November away at North Macedonia. So that's well. That's the level of opposition that we're going to be playing against. That is the perfect time, though, isn't it, to say to, um, I don't know, Kane, Maguire, like the, the people that have been in that squad, if they, if they know they're going to get picked, that is the time to say, well, you know what, just in case you get injured or whatever, I'm going to pick some of the players that have been sort of on the periphery of the team and give them a go at home against Malta. What, what, can, what can happen there? With yeah. uh, with saying to Maguire, I'm just going to leave you out for this one, and I'm going to pick Conser, for example, um, someone who hasn't had a game. I mean, to be fair, he, uh, Scotland. I thought Lewis Dunk was one of our better players because I think he's got a point to prove, hasn't he? He's fighting for a place. Yeah, I think he did play well, but I just I think for a, a Euros, I, I think he's too far down that list. I think there's at least probably six mm-hmm. centre backs in front of him, if fit. Um, yeah. Because obviously Colwell got injured. Yeah. Well, tra- I think tra- so. I don't. I don't know. Um. But yeah. So next up, Germany. Strange one. This. <laughs> They're in turmoil, which is not Top. not usual for the Germans, is yeah. it? Yeah, they were until they won last Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, manager Flick was sacked after they lost at home. in a fr- It was a friendly, wasn't it, to Japan? Yes. 4-1, which I guess many Germans were hoping it was going to be a redemption. Obviously, because Japan knocked them out of the World Cup, didn't they? Yes. So, um it it wasn't a redemption, no. um, and I believe it was the first time they've. I think you told me this: the first time they'd sacked a manager. Yes, in a hundred years or something. Years or something, which is just mad. So it leaves them one without a manager. Uh, obviously, nine months before a European Championship, and I th- I, the the thing is for me, I think. You look how successful Germany have been over the last sort of, you know, 20 years, sort of give and take 20 years. Yeah. When you think of the players that they've had for them, Oliver Bearhoff, remember him? Yeah. What player he was. You know, they've had players like Schweinsteiger, they've had Closer. Yeah, World Cup top scorer. Yeah. And now they've got Havertz. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... You know, when you look at the team, you compare it to the 2000, you know, you could say 2010, 2014 team when you got, you know, the likes of like a prime Hummels in there. You've got Podolski in there. When you compare it now, you know, you'd have to say that probably only a couple of the players that they've got in their team currently would probably even get a look in to you know, to yeah. that team 
back in 2010, 2014. Uh, but it's, it's, and you kind of got to think about like, from a manager's point of view, there's, he, he can, he can control, what well, he can do to his best, he can control how he wants that team to play. But if he doesn't have those, you know, world class players in his team, you know, then that's not helping him. But no. when you look, you, you know, he's got Muller still. I mean, the guy's been around for how... <laughs> it seems like he's been around for decades, yeah. I mean, he's not in his prime, to say the least. You've got, you know, all right, Gnabry and Sane out wide. They're okay, but they're not... Yeah. You know, they're not... You've got Gundahern, who's getting on. Emre Chan, he's getting yeah. on. Hummels. And then, yeah, you've got Hummels, and you've got... Not Neuer as well. I think is he still playing he's in goal for them? But I think he still plays. You know, you have got players, probably players like Rudiger, who probably would have got in that team. Yeah. You know, back, you know, 2014. You know, this is the 2014 team that embarrassed Brazil. Yeah. That look, what was it? Seven. Seven one or seven, something. One. Gert, Gert, you've got players yeah. like Gertzer as well. So. You know, I, they haven't, they're not producing those sorts of players anymore. Um, on paper, you may say Havertz, he, he's played for Chelsea, he's played for Arsenal, he might have played for those teams, but it doesn't mean he's any good. No, no that's and, true. Yeah. But Timo Werner, I mean, the guy, he do, he's done well, you know, in, in Germany, but he, he never tore it up here in, with, with Chelsea. No. Uh, um, I think Rudiger's the exception there, and I, I, I can't see, you know, the likes of Testegen troubling a, a prime Oliver Kahn. No, no uh, definitely so, not. It's one of my favourites. Yeah, so I, yeah. I just think, I think, I think from an expectation point of view, I think slightly needs to be lowered. Yeah, because honestly, if you look at that 2014 team and compare it to the team that have played in the last couple of games, yeah, it's just you know they won the World Cup. It's just it's just yeah. you, their team. Their their team for the World Cup was Neuer in goal, Philip Lahm. Yeah. I mean, World Class Henrik's. He's not, a, he's not a touch on him. You've got no. a prime Boateng and a prime Hummels at the back. Yeah. And Halverdez at left back. I mean, Halverdez wasn't the most versatile left back in the world, but. No. Did a job. You've got Schweinsteiger, Muller, Ozil, Thomas Cruz and Miroslav Kloser. Thomas Cruz is a big loss for them because obviously I think he's retired from international football. So, this is when Ozil was at his best. This is when he was yeah. at Eton Arsenal. Yeah. So, I just, I just think the level of expectation probably needs to come down slightly. Yes, you did get knocked out by Japan in the World Cup. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Yes, you did lose to them again in a friendly. So, you know, if you've lost to them twice. Maybe you've got to start thinking that that's probably where you should start at that level. 
Yep. You know, Japan aren't a walkover. I think they're in the top 20, you know, in, yeah. in, the, in the world rankings. So they're not a pushover team. But, and now it leaves them without a manager. Uh, I've heard that that, is it Nagelsmann? He's he yeah. was linked to every Premier League job over the summer. Yeah. That they could bring him in for a year just to cover them for the Euros, but I, I don't see how that would help them in the long run. But no, I think they, they, the thing is, I think they're. I, I hate I hate the phrase because managers always use it. They're in a transition phase, right? So, um, just looking, I'm I'm going through the squad like you've just gone through, and yeah, there are some names on there that if they were playing four or five years ago, just wouldn't have got a look in. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking at Lucas Nemetcher. I didn't realise he'd played for Germany, but he's had seven appearances for Germany since, since 2021. This is a guy that scored three goals in 41 appearances for Preston North End um, only four years ago. So that's the level that we're talking. You know, Makoku, great talent, 18 years old. He's already had two appearances in a German shirt. At 12 goals in 59 appearances for Dortmund. He's still only 18. That isn't the German way of doing things. When they were at their most successful, they were keeping their um, they're keeping their young talent in their sort of junior squads. They were keeping them all together so that they all came through at the same level at the same time. No one really got ahead of the queue and jumped straight into the men's team. Yeah. And that's why they had a generation of talent that were used to playing with each other. Even though they played for different clubs, they were still used to playing with each other at international level. And that is a part of the reason why they look so good. I'm looking now. Makoku's had two caps. Karim Adegami's had a couple of caps. He's only 21. Um, Jamal Musiala is in the team. Out of all of them, probably the most fair of getting a call-up, playing regularly for Bayern Munich. He's a real talent, still only 20. Yeah. Bella Kotchap has got a call-up. I mean, he's not playing for Southampton. I think, I, I can't even remember. I don't even think, he, he, oh, he left for PSV on loan, but he's not played for mm-hmm. them yet. He, he's playing in the championship, you know, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So I think there's a few names that are probably there as more squad fillers than anything. But the future's not, too bad for them. I think they won. They won the under twenty one Euros, did they this year? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Um, I can't remember. I'm frantically trying to have a look now. Um, but yeah, the under twenty ones did quite well this year, um, or, or within the last couple of years. So they, they definitely got a bright future there. But um, yeah, they've uh, got a long way to go. I think. To, uh, to reach the sort of level that they would want to be at. Um, Florian Verts is another one. Sorry, he's just a name that's mm. appeared on, on the list in front of me. He's another real talent, 20 years old. He's been sort of fast-forwarded to the first team. Um, but, yeah. So, do you uh, think... Um, it's, not, it's not the team that they used to be, but I, th- I think... No, I think no, they always They always do this, Germany. They always lower expectations. Let's... Let's be honest, they've been playing friendlies, haven't they, for the last 18 months or since the World <laughs> Cup. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the the tournament is in Germany, isn't it? So they oh, don't yeah, this need is the main, to qualify. This is the main thing, yeah. Yeah, so they, they've been playing friendlies. There's nothing on the games. 
it doesn't matter whether they win or lose, they're always going to be at the Euros next year, right? So it's their home European competition. The fans will be behind them. And as we all know, Germany are at their best when no one thinks they're going to do well. And there's going to come a time, I think, when we're all going to go into a tournament thinking Germany are just not one of the contenders and they're going to surprise everybody. Um, So who knows? Maybe Nagelsmann is the man to take them forward into this tournament. Like I say, it's a home tournament, so that might persuade him to take over. I think he'll have his sights outside of international management, but... So they don't, but for yeah. a nine-month job, that's that's not too bad. For a nine-month job, he could make a go of it and potentially become a hero and then go back and had, manage uh, whoever he wants to. They had Rudy Voller last night, didn't they, um, as interim, just for the... Um, yes, because he um, says here German that he legend. took on a job as the um, director for German German national team's director... Um, he took charge last night, so he's one of the favourites as well. Um, yeah. He has had stints. Um, for he was German manager in twenty two thousand, I think two thousand. He was at the Euros, I think, as well in two thousand four. So maybe it's him, but like yeah. I said, at the moment they're in a bit of a pickle at the moment because, like you said, they are. Um, Hosting the, yeah. the the Euros this year, so um, sorry next year. So you know they're they're going to want to you know have a, you know have a manager. Yeah, they want to come in on top. Yeah, and like you said, this you'd like to think that they probably would have got through a group stage if they had to qualify. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure they would, but. Um, no. Yeah, I think they'd give it a go. But yeah. Next. International friendly. So you, you sent me a message um earlier in the week saying how can we make interna- was it international friendlies? Oh, just just better, international uh, international them. breaks, yeah. How can we improve how an international break? Let's face it, as football fans, we always see an yeah. international break coming up and we all go, Ah. <laughs> oh. It's boring. It's dull. So, You've got a plan. I've I got believe. a plan. I've got two plans. I've got two. I've got a plan, and then I've got an additional thing to add to the plan. Okay. Specifically for friendlies, the ones that don't matter at yeah. all, that don't need to. So, my first thinking was when they were catching up with COVID, they played a lot of games. Um, in June, I don't know if you yep. remember, they did four, they basically played four, nation, it was Nation League games, wasn't it? They played four na- Nation League games yep. in two weeks. So my first thought is, I know every other year there is a tournament, but why can't, why can't they play, why can't they bunch up some of these Nation League games like they did after covid when they were trying to catch up, why can't they just do that during the summer? What, what what's yeah to stop Play. to stop them playing those games? You know, players might get tired. Even, that's 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 what. I'm, yeah, I I, say, know, I understand that. They might get tired. Yeah, it doesn't stop necessarily the league. No, you know, the the Premier League then, or 
the if you want to keep it whilst the Premier League is on, why are we having to do it three times, one time each month in September, October, November? Why yeah. can't they just set aside three weeks and just play the just game? Get it all out of the way. Do it then. Yeah. Because every year they play September, October, November. Yeah. Whether it's qualifiers, Nation League, Euro qualifiers, or just friendlies themselves, they always play six games across those six weeks period. Yeah. In in those months. We always say, don't we, we in the English game the as league. well. Yeah. We stop the league. They've, they've for, said for, for a long weeks. time. Let's do it. They've said about a winter break before, haven't they? Why yeah. not? Winter break. People will obviously say, I want me Boxing Day fixture. Go and watch England play on Boxing Day. Imagine that. What kind of an atmosphere could we get at Wembley on Boxing Day? In- England, Scotland on Boxing Day would be wonderful. Give it a go. Yeah. I think that's not, I don't think that's a bad idea. I so think that that's would pretty be, good. That would be my first idea would be to, Instead of having a stop, start, stop, start, yeah. just have a stop and a start, and then that's fine. You, you, like in three weeks, I know it's going to be hard. You play six games in those three weeks. That's two weeks. That's, that's two games a week. That's no yeah. more than what most of them are doing anyway. In their normal season, if they own Champions League or anything like that. Yeah. Next to add to this. This is more of a rule change, I think, that they should bring in. If you want to play an international friendly, so this is an example. So Colombia played an international friendly against Bahrain, right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Colombia win the game. Although they did, although they will, they will still get ranking points towards their. FIFA thing. Very, yeah. very minimal. Very, very minimal. So it's yeah. at the lowest rate. Right. Here's my proposal. You should not get ranking points if you play a team that are 112 places behind you. Yeah. Right. So here's what I yeah. propose. You can only claim these points if you play a team that are higher than you in the rankings or ten places lower than you. I am all for that. So, say you are England. I'd say they sit, what, about sixth or seventh at the moment in the FIFA rankings? Yeah, somewhere around there. Anyone above you, Brazil, Argentina, you know, play, and you'll get your points. But also, you can play any team below you, so ten places below you, so we'll say they're seventh, they can play any team down to 17th, and they'll still get their points. Yeah. If they decide to play Australia in a friendly... No points. No points. Yeah. It's just, I it's, think that's a good plan. Because, because I'm fed up, to be honest, Chris, of seeing um, USA near the top of the rankings every time it gets near to the exactly. World Cup. And yeah, it's because... Exactly. And it's not just friendlies... But it's because their qualifying involves playing Canada, Trinidad and Tobago, Haiti, like uh, basically all the Caribbean islands plus Canada. So, th- so this they're going to rack the up points. Point. Yeah, yeah. So this is the next point. So because you know, the, I know, I I know I've looked online. It's very minimal, but it's enough that over a period of ten years, 
it will start moving you up. Yeah. And then that will seed them better when it comes to the World Cup. So I just I just think like this any Colombians watching, I've got nothing against you, right? But I'm just saying it was the one that I saw that sparked my thinking that you're over a hundred places above them in the rankings. Yeah. Although minimal, you will get points that could see them go up a place or two, depending on how far behind they are above them. So, I I just think for a more fair and probably a more enjoyable watch for a Colombian supporter, rather than them watching a game against Bahrain where they're just going to pass the ball around for 70 minutes and score a few goals, why don't they play someone like England? Yeah. A bit more competitive. Plus, I thought international friendlies were there to get you ready for for these big games. So why would you want to play a team where you're just going to smash goals in for fun and you're not going to get... The players aren't going to get anything out of that other than to say we beat this team 7-0. And yeah, because what, what, what are Colombia learning from playing Bahrain? Exactly. Not this is what I mean, we, we've all done it on Football Manager to get a bit of confidence in the team. You yeah. know, arrange a friendly against a lower opposition, absolutely hammer them. Yeah. But this is the real world. What is the benefit of doing what they've done? Yeah. And this, this will also benefit the, the San Marinos of the world who have the lowest... Yeah. They might actually win a game. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be allowed to play England in a friendly. I'm just saying that if they play England in a friendly, this is where it might get a bit complicated. England cannot record any points from that friendly, okay? Yeah. But San Marino are below them. They could get points for it. Yeah. It's very, very unlikely that that will ever happen. Yeah, but if you see what I'm saying, so yeah. it just make it just it just makes the top teams think more about who they want to play, but at the same time, you know the the teams, you know, yeah, underneath them, and it might encourage San Marino to play a team around them. That's what I'm the, thinking in the rankings. Is when they to play actually get a win when they're playing these international friendlies. San Marino even do international friendlies? I, I have no idea. Because the, I, I just think when I'm looking through, scrolling through international friendlies, I'm thinking, have I ever seen San Marino play Luxembourg in a friendly? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. And I guess the nation, that's what the nation league, the nations league was there. Yes, that's what it was there to do. It's kind of there too, so San Marino can play Liechtenstein. Yeah, you know, that's that's what they're there. That's like a separate thing, and I think I think a lot of people when the Nation League was brought forward, I think it got a lot of negative sort of, you know, a lot of people were quite negative about. It, but it actually works quite well because one, it stops people from having endless friendlies because before Nations League, those. September, October, November games when they weren't qualifying for the Euros or qualifying for the World Cup, they were just playing pointless friendlies. But now yeah. they've got Nations League there to kind of 
get people to start thinking, you know, or start playing those top teams, you know, England. Yeah. Are, although I think England got relegated, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, so they're actually in like. We answer that. Yeah. And then, but then you've got San Marino right at the bottom, who who in there, you know, they've got Liechtenstein, they've got Luxembourg, so yeah. they've got Kazakhstan, teams like that. But it does that work. Gives, that gives San Marino something to actually want. Because yeah, it's out you know, for a San Marino player, I, I, it's probably an honour playing for your country for one. But I'm sure after the the eighth seven nil, you're kind of thinking, like when you know, why bother? Why you are literally turning up to lose, and that's yeah, that can't be nice for them. But when they're playing teams like Leicester, I'm saying Leicester a lot. But they are the closest, probably, to San Marino yeah. in, in the rankings. But when they play each other, if San Marino score, that's a huge deal for them. Just yeah. to score for them, for them, just to score is huge. You know, so yeah. sc- scoring a goal for them is almost probably like winning. If they score, they probably celebrate after the game like they've won it. Absolutely, so, but look, it it. It does. That actually has some merit because looking at the table, you mentioned Luxembourg a few times there. They're currently third in their group for qualifying. I did in a group of Portugal, yeah. Slovakia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Iceland and Liechtenstein. Okay, not I the did. most glamorous glamorous of groups, but they've won three games in that I group now. You, I messaged you after they won on. Friday, I said, look, yeah. they're like they're joint second, and then they lost nine. They lost nine nil. <laughs> they did lose nine nil to Portugal. Oh, oh but, God, I've cursed yeah, them now. Yeah, but still, that is big for them, and it's probably only come about because they've started they playing teams that they played. Yeah. They've played Portugal twice now. Yeah, I know their goal difference took an absolute battering, them, <laughs> but you know yeah. they've got teams in there that they can clearly beat because they've already won three of them. So. You know what's to stop them from, you know, doing that? Is and it's because, you know, there's that that although they've played probably teams like Malta, San Marino a lot, they're now you know they're, they're getting used to winning games, and now they're they're taking that into sort of the qualifications and, and yeah. sort of the Nations League as well. But anyway, that's enough for me. I've I I, I've thought a little differently to yourself. Um, because I'm getting a little bit fed up of a few teams monopolising the England places. So I've basically gone for what I'm labelling as a fantasy league approach to international football, right? First things first, when there's international football, I want the Premier League, Championship, etc. to carry on at the same time. And I believe we can achieve this by taking a fantasy league approach and saying... England and other nations can only pick three players maximum from each club. Yeah. And the reason that I think we can do this is because if Man City stacked their their team with England players, only three of them would be able to leave. That would encourage homegrown talent to come through. But it would stop them buying the best English players because they know that their three biggest players are going to leave, etc. So I think there's a way that we can do this. Mm. I, it, it could also encourage teams like Manchester City to go out and buy just like one of every nationality, in theory, but then they'd lose their entire team, 
when it would come to an international break because their entire team would be essentially available for selection. Whereas if they went all English, they would only lose three players. So it could work. It could be an absolute disaster, but it works quite well in rugby union. They don't have any limits on the amount of players that can be selected for international fo- international rugby. Oh, yeah, you're right. But the, still, yeah, the, the national league still play. The rugby yeah, union exactly. is still playing even though the World Cup's so on. Yeah, exactly. The Premiership still goes on when the Six Nations is on. For example, yeah, yeah. you just lose those players. They just have the, like you say, the. Um, honour of representing their country but their club still plays the games while the internationals are on oh, yeah. um, I so I would be up for that I even make it a little bit more interesting okay everybody's up for international selection you take away the limit of players that can be selected but players have to play teams have to play their under 23s or whatever while their players are away on international duty I think it would make for a tighter and more interesting league. It certainly does in Rugby Union. I was infuriated when Leicester Tigers were winning the Premiership and all of our players went on international duty. But it makes the league a little bit tighter, makes it a little bit closer. It lets those teams that maybe don't have 25 internationals, it it gives them a chance to catch up. I mean, if you're Luton Town, you would look at that that suggestion and think, brilliant, I would have... What, two weeks in September, October and November where I could put out almost a full strength side against a team that's probably playing their under-23 team or something along those lines. I just think it would make it quite interesting. Obviously, then you've got to look into England under-21s, under-18s, etc. Because, you know, clubs actually do have to have players. But, um, yeah. I just idea. I don't I, I don't want club idea. football. To, <laughs> I don't want club football yeah, to end. Yeah. Um, yeah. In in like most of the other sports, that's what they do. They carry on, yeah. don't they? Although having Maybe. said that, what one thing that is good about an international break, and there aren't many positives, but they do have non-league day when there's an international break on because teams like Villa, Chelsea, you know, where I am in Southampton, because they don't play, then there's normally bigger crowds at local non-league grounds like Eastleigh, yeah. for example. You're off to AFC Stodham next week. Well, well, yeah, they're they're coming to uh, Yeovil. So yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been, I'm going back to back on Yeovil back games, to, which back is back Yeovil games. Yeah, yeah, which is you know, um, you know, really. Uh, Really good. So last week they had nearly three thousand there. Uh, they are closing part of the ground this week for the Stoneham game, so I'm assuming that they're not expecting that many um, to actually go. So um, yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think Stoneham will take too many fans. But yeah, I mean, I went know. to the Eastbourne game at the weekend against Yeovil, and they had 91 away <laughs> fans there. Wow. Uh, yeah. It was, still, good, it was good to go see them win, actually. Yeah, yeah it, it's good for non league clubs to get, like you just mentioned, yeah. 3,000 3, at Yeovil. Obviously, you're a big non league club, but for the clubs that are only getting 100, 150 people through the door each week, when there's an international break on and, you know, fans aren't going to the main Premiership club, yeah. Premier League Championship or whatever, um, it's good for them to get live football in person and go to support yeah. a non-league team so that is the only I think that's one of the biggest benefits I think of international football so I will say that I'd like to see that continue but um, you should support your non-league team anyway um, 
whether there's international football on or not. But yeah, yeah that's a whole other argument. But yeah, that's my pitch for improving. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll put it forward. We'll put our ideas forward to the FA and yeah. UEFA, and we'll, we'll see what we get back. Um, just speaking of that, I've watched a lot of rugby over the weekend. I don't know about you, but I actually got really into it. Yeah, like, well, really into well it. I've watched the the France game, and yeah. I watched the England game, and I watched the who were Chile playing. Uh, oh, I can't remember now. They scored a few points, didn't they? Yeah, which is the first yeah, time they've ever that. done that. I can't, was it Japan? I, watched, I think it was Japan. Yeah, Japan, yeah. And then I watched the Welsh game. Actually, You've watched more watched, than me, Chris, I've and I'd consider myself not. a rugby union fan. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know what it was. I just got really into it. It's been a good World Cup so far. The opening, opening round of games have been yeah, really good. So. I mean, England did really well, considering they went down, you know, yeah, they're setting days. off very early. Um, they defend, you know, when the defense need, was needed, they defended well, yeah. and and obviously the kicking was, oh, yeah. was pretty George. much on point. George Ford's kicking was uh, was yeah. pretty much on point the whole game. Um, Incredible so, yeah, player, really yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's rugby. <laughs> We're not a rugby uh, podcast. We yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the end of part one. In part two, uh, Liam's got a quiz. I got some wonders of why Anna. Who am I? So we'll be back in two. Hello and welcome back to part two of this week's episode. Uh, we're going to start with some Wonders of White, Liam. Uh, so, Carl Walker, he has a pretty good game, actually, over the, last, the two games that you play, I thought he played really well. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he, he's great. He was like pinging balls around like Kevin De Bruyne last night. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. He was. Um, so, at 33 years and 104 days, he's the second oldest player to score his first England goal uh, after um, Jimmy Moore. Uh, in 1923. I was, I was going to say, I'm glad you didn't ask me to name uh, the, he, the older. He scored against Sweden on uh, in May 1923. He was 34 years old in 10 wow. days. Uh, so Carl Walker was uh, 260 days off. Still um, impressive though. Still yes. impressive. And about yeah, the, time as well. He's played well, often enough. You think that's impressive? What about Scott McTominay? I mean he's been involved in more goals than any other player during the twenty twenty four qualifying campaign. Wow. Six goals, one assist. <laughs> wow. There you go. How's that happened? Where was he last night? I know. I I didn't I didn't see him. Uh we've also uh, we've also got this guy. Uh, 16 years and 57 days, Lamine Yamal becomes the third youngest player in history to score for a European nation. Uh, he's surpassed by only Sam Johnston in, for Northern Ireland, who was 15 years old and 160 days. Wow. Uh, in 1882, playing for <sighs> Northern Ireland. Christ. This is yeah. a mouthful, this name. And Joseph Horfuck. Oh, go Horvath, 
Yeah. 16 years old and 12 days uh, playing for Hungary in 1906. Wow. Uh, He's a special talent, apparently. I've not seen much of him, this this Yamal guy, yes. but yeah, a lot I'm of big sure. things expected. I'm sure he'll be popping up on Football Manager. I'm sure he will be. <laughs> and this one, this one I, I, you know, this is way left field, this one. So this is a team I used to follow in Spain. You know when you kind of choose a team from each league that you kind of yep. have any like attachment to, but you always kind of think, I wonder how they're getting on. Yeah. Okay. Remember Real Zaragoza? I, I do remember Real Zaragoza, yes. They yeah. they bought our um, star striker Savo Milosevic back in the day. I was devastated so as like a are, seven-year-old. They are currently in the second division of... Um, uh, in Spain. Uh, so they've won their opening five league games in a single season for the first time in their history. Wow. Yeah. Back Salve in the big Bruce. time. Yeah. He playing, player. He what, what a player he was. So yeah, I don't know what it was about Real Zaragoza that I like. We've all got, we've all got that. Just like, one of those what? things, like in the early 2000s, I think I was just scrolling through Championship manager, and I was just like, I pick them to yeah. to be manager, and then you kind of you sort of grow an attachment to just a bit like uh, leisure for me. Of, uh, yeah, yes, of, you're you're a leisure Warsaw fan. Yeah, we've all got those teams on football yeah. manager. Like I say, m- mine is probably Genk. I had a, had a nice spell as Genk manager on a previous version of football manager. Yeah, it's it's just those things where you do like a long save of a team, and I remember signing Jack Wilshire for leisure. <laughs> wow! Uh, I thought to myself, "My God, I've pulled that off." I've yeah, pulled it off. But yeah, massive so, signing. Bit of a, a bit of a left field one, but yeah, I like it. I like left field. So left field stats. Uh, you've got a quiz this week. I do have a quiz. Uh, it was a quiz that I wrote on Monday. Um, so I'm going to apologise in advance if some of these stats are out of date. I don't think they are. Um, but the introduction to the quiz is because I've said. As England prepare to face the Rolfos, this week's quiz is everything about Scotland. Um, so obviously that game has played. So I don't think there's any question where the answers change. I have had a look through. I did um, ask him where any of the, the answers are Rod Stewart. And, and none of the answers are Rod Stewart. None of the answers are Braveheart. No, it's, it's, it's not a stereotype. It's more of a... It's kind of an England and Scotland quiz, but we'll okay. we'll see how you get on. Some of them are quite difficult, so what I've done is I've got a little bonus round at the end where you can pick up a few more points okay. um, just for a little bit of fun as well. Um, you, you'll, you might get 10 out of 10 and just want to do it <laughs> anyway. I don't think I'll go um, do it. Who knows? So, are you ready, Chris? Yeah, yeah, go on. Then. Excellent. So, 10 questions about all things Scotland, followed by a bonus round. Question number one. Who has won the most Scottish top division titles since its inception in 1890-1891? I'm not going to lie, it's a 50-50 shot. I'm guessing, um, yeah, I'm guessing this is team, not player. <laughs> it's his team, yeah. Oh, my word. I vaguely remember that it's, it's, well, it's obviously between two teams, I don't know. I think it's Rangers, but I think it's really close. 
It is really close, but it is Rangers. It is just. So Rangers have got 55 titles. One of them is shared, and Celtic have got 53. Um, I don't know how you share a title, but I I had a look into it briefly, and it was a long, long time ago where I think they were just level at the top of the league. Celtic were quite far behind, weren't they? They didn't win like nine nine Nine, points in a row. Something like they've, they've pulled it back very close, and I imagine, yeah, next couple of years they could probably okay. level and maybe overtake. So, well done. Um, one out of one so far. Good work. Question number two Which Scotsman has scored the most English Premier League goals? Now, I do have some options for you. Is this, is this just Premier League, yeah? This is just Premier League era. This is not First Division. You know, football didn't exist before 1992. So your options are A, Stephen Naismith, B, Gary McAllister, C, Duncan Ferguson, or D, Stephen Fletcher. Which Scotsman scored the most goals in the Premier League? Okay, so you said, who did you say first, sorry? You said so, McAllister and... Stephen Naismith, yeah. Gary McAllister, Duncan Ferguson, Stephen Fletcher. Oh, well, I, I don't think it would be McAllister, I don't think it's him, because I, I think the other ones are all strikers, aren't they? I am going to go with my first gut feeling, and that was Duncan Ferguson. Correct. Two out of two so far. Big Dunk scored 68 Premier League goals. He's quite that far ahead. Of, I'm, I'm assuming either Naismith or Fletcher are second or third, at least. Uh, Stephen Fletcher, I think, was second uh, with 53, or at least he's second out of my four. Um, okay. Gary McAllister scored 49. Stephen Naismith, only 19. I thought he scored a lot more than that, but no, only 19 Premier League goals for Stephen Naismith. Um, question number three. Yeah. This is where it gets a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Uh, Jota broke the Scottish transfer record this season when he moved from Celtic to which Saudi Pro League club oh, for 29 no. million euros? <laughs> While you have a think, there is a reason I put this in, and that's because he basically hasn't played for this team. And I think he already wants to leave, and he's only been there two months, something like that. Um, I saw a story right. where he's been left out of the squad. Oh my God, I can't even think of Saudi teams. They've all gone from my head. Oh, blimey. Uh, I have no idea where he went because he wasn't really one of the ones that I remember. I didn't. I didn't know he. I didn't know he'd actually gone there. I'll say the only one I can think of is Al Hilal. Is it Hilal? That is a club, but it's not them. It's Al Ittihad. I don't know who else has joined. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. I think he's been left out of the squad. I think they signed him, and then I think due to restrictions or something, I was reading earlier, he's actually been left out of the squad. So he wants to leave straight away. (laughs) Um, So that was a bit of a difficult one. So let's get you back on track. Question number four. Which former Celtic and Liverpool striker holds the record number appearances for the Scottish national team at 102 caps? Oh, um, well. I don't know if... 
I want to say Kenny Dalglish. I, I don't know if this is a trick question or not. Uh, it's not a trick question. It is Kenny Dalglish. <laughs> it is. Yes. I'm thinking. Uh, is, that a tr- is there so, is someone yeah. like a? I haven't thought of then. No, okay, it's like definitely King Kenny. Um, yeah, 102 caps for Scotland, and that's, that is their record. So three out of four so far. And speaking of King Kenny, he's the joint top goal scorer with the Scottish national team, with which former Manchester United and Manchester City striker? It's one person. He played for Manchester United and Manchester City. Oh my word! Oh my word! I have no, I have no idea. This is a little bit tricky. This is yeah, this is no, this is one know. for the for the dads and granddads that are listening in the podcast. Uh-huh. It's Dennis Law, famously scored a goal for Manchester is, City. Yeah, famously scored for Manchester City to relegate Manchester United after playing for them for many many years. So yeah, Dennis Law's joint top scorer. For Scotland with Kenny Dalglish. Um, question number six. So you've got three out of five so far. Question number six. Scotland finished bottom of their group in World Cup 1998 after defeats to Brazil and Morocco. But which Scandinavian team did they pick up their only point against in that tournament? So this is basically one of... Yeah, I've narrowed it down a bit for you. I thought it would just be a bit harsh to say, who did they draw against in World Cup 1998? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, How old would you have been in 1998, just out of interest? I was seven when this World Cup took part. uh, I wish I was seven. I would have been, when would you say, 1998? Yes. I was second. I I was 11. So you will have a bit... Bit better memory this is probably the, than I have. Yeah. Is this the one where we got knocked out of by Brazil? We got knocked out by Brazil, didn't we? We got. Uh, this was David Beckham kicking. Oh, Simone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was silly. I'm <laughs> watching that game at home. Uh, I'm just gonna guess at Norway. Correct. I'm thinking of part. Oh, it's just you are, yeah. Absolutely correct. It was Norway. Um, yeah, uh, they didn't do particularly well at that World Cup, but they did score against Brazil. So um, I think that's what they all remember. But didn't yeah, they get stuffed by Morocco. They they did. They did. Yeah, they won't. They won't want me to to remind them of that. But yes. Yeah, so four out of six. Best Question number seven. Just quickly, best FIFA game there was ever was the World Cup my edition of. It was a good one. It was a cracker. All, all the FIFAs around them were top. Yeah. Top tier, top tier games. Yeah. Um, question number seven. The last time England played Scotland, other than last night, in a friendly was in 2014. Which English striker scored twice in a 3-1 win? I'm going to say for sure it's not Harry Kane. <laughs> it's not Harry Kane. <laughs> I mean, well, did you say striker? You didn't say. I did, did yeah. Say, which English yeah. striker? I think, I think you might have given it away there. I think it might be... Rooney? Wayne Rooney? It is correct, yes. Wayne Rooney did score twice. In I, doubt myself. I really doubt myself, because then all of a sudden Peter Crouch came in my head, and I was like, no, Crouch, yeah. go, leave. Yeah. <laughs> Crouch, you'd <laughs> defoe round no. then as well, would have got a few goals, but 
yeah, there's only one man really at the top. Yeah. So yeah, so we're at, what are we on now? Five out of seven. Well done so far. Um, question number eight: The last time Scotland beat England was a one-nil win in 1999. Who was the England manager that day? 1999. Yeah. Yes. This is a tough one. Because... It is, it, it is. Uh, I have no idea. Not fancy taking a stab. I... I'm going to take uh, England manager 99. I'm trying to think who took them to the 98 World Cup, but I don't think it's the same person. I honestly don't know. I'm going to go with Mike Bassett. <laughs> Why not? Oh, Why yeah. not? I wish it was. I'd give Hoddle, you the point. It? It, it's not Glenn It's not. Uh, it's so not Glenn Hoddle. After, this is after. <clears throat> yeah. This is after Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. I cannot for the life of me remember who took over from. It was Kevin oh. Keegan. Oh my god. I was really. Oh my god. So Kevin King as well. Yeah. It was Kevin Keegan. Wasn't manager for too long. Um, and then I think it was Sven after him. I want to say uh, there might have been someone yeah, in between. Yeah, Kevin Keegan. Um, yeah, we didn't do particularly well under Keegan. He didn't last very long as manager. But um, I'm myself because yeah. I was going to say Kevin Keegan as well. So, so close. It was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. So that's good. Um, so you're on. Uh, oh. for, what are we on? Five out of eight. So question number nine: Which Scottish club play their home games at Hampden Park? This is a great pub quiz question. Hamden Park. Yeah. So that's the National Stadium. It is the it? National Stadium. Well, it's not. Oh, no, it's not. It's not them two. <laughs> Neither of them. It's, it is one that you either know it or you don't. I think. I put this in as just a cheeky... It's the kind of thing that I think you'd enjoy with your Wonders of White. Hamden Park. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't even know anyone actually played there domestically. No. Can uh, I get a clue? Are they in the top? uh, you, You can... Yeah, you can have a clue... Um, let's how how can I say this? Um, part of the name of the team is in the name Hamden Park. I kind of feel like I know it now, but I kind of feel like the clue gave it away. <laughs> yeah, it probably does a little bit. It's about all I can say because so I know. Park. Absolutely. It's obviously Queens. It is, yeah, Queen's Park. Park. Right. I, I, I don't give me the point for that because I kind of feel like 
Without that, I never would have got it. I, I didn't know if you thought there was a Scottish team called Hampden. Yeah, they do. So they, they had a a couple of years away. Um, I think they played there till 2021, and then they had a couple of years away, but they're back playing there this season. Um, and they average a couple of hundred people for every game, but they do Must play their games really at Hampden F-A-E. Park. <laughs> yeah. Strange experience. Um yeah. But yeah, okay. I won't give you the point for that one. So you're on yeah, five out of no, nine at the minute. Um, I, I would have got that one. Um, um, yeah. So question number ten. Your final question to make it six out of ten. So it's a good job. There's a bonus round. Who is the current captain of the Scottish national team? Oh bugger! Well. I can give you a clue for this one as well. I was trying to think last night. What was who? Who was the armband on last night? Is it? Is it? No, John McGinn. Is it John McGinn? It's not John McGinn. Hang on, let me let me have a I'll think. G- I'll give you I'll give you a clue. He started his career at the club that was the answer to question number nine. So he started at Queen. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think who, if he was playing last, if the actual. Pl- was, I no. I just needed to check that. Yes, he did. He he started his career at Queens Park. Oh, I. It's not not the clue that's given. It's just come to my head. It's Rob. Is it Robertson? Andy. Yes. Robertson. Yeah. Andy yeah, Robertson. Yeah. 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 I'll, 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 literally, I was going through visuals in my head of the game <laughs> last night, and and now yeah. I remember because when they scored, the England scored the second goal. I remember them saying, "The captain." Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, Andy, I'll give you half a point for that. Um, so I'll give you five and a half out of ten. Yeah, but there is a chance for some bonus points. So nine teams other than Celtic and Rangers have won the Scottish League. I will give you a point for each one you name. But if you get a wrong answer, you get no points. So you can you basically go as far as as you want, and then you can stop. Right. So. I think the first one I'll go for is Aberdeen. Correct. I'm sure they won that one because I certain someone won it with them, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, certain someone did. Yeah, so six and a half points. Right. Okay. They won it four times as well, by the way, and oh. they are the they are the team that's won it the most. They're joint with a few other teams, but they're the team that's won it the most other than Celtic and Rangers, and they've won it four times. I guess Aberdeen were the last team to win it other than Celtic and Rangers. Yeah, they were. So that's the dominance that Celtic and Rangers have had. I feel like... I think I'm going to go for another one in Hearts. Correct. They have also won four yeah. titles. Now this, now this is getting tricky because <laughs> I've gone with Hearts, 
So they're closest rival are Hibs. So I'm going to go with Hibs as well. How many did you say there were? So there's nine, all in total. Hibs are on there. They must Hibs, there. Hibs are definitely on there. They've won four titles as well. So they are the three teams that are level in third place for the amount of titles that have been won in Scotland. So all the teams remaining... There's another six, yeah? There's another six remaining, and they've either got one or two titles. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to go with... Do I go for one more? I feel like there's going to be teams in that Premier League now that I definitely want it. If there's six other teams, five, pretty much no. I'm going to say, I think this is going to be my last one. I'm going to say Motherwell. Correct, Motherwell. Right, I've won I'm, one I'm, title. I'm stopping there because there's other teams I okay. can think. So I'm, you mentioned so five, six, seven, eight. So you've got nine and a half. Kilmarnock. Kilmar- Kilmar- I would have. I would have probably said Kilmarnock. You've got Kilmarnock next, and you've been right. They've yeah. also got a title. So any other teams that you were on the fence with? Oh. There, there are. I don't know whether they're both in the Premier League. I don't know. If either of the Dundee teams won any? I'll go one further. Both of the Dundee teams. Oh, they both won. One title each. I shouldn't have have bailed out. I bailed out too soon. So (laughs) there's another three only got there. You could have had either, but the other two, the other two remaining, are a lot more difficult. Okay. So. you, you definitely well, one you definitely wouldn't have got because they haven't existed for about a hundred years, which is okay, a team called Third Lanark. Third Lanark won one title. Uh, I think it was possibly the first title. Any so that means there's one team left. There's one team left, and I'm just going to do a bit of research because I, I actually don't know what league they play in. They are still a team. Okay. And they play in the. Scottish League 2. They came second last year. And I know you don't keep up to date with your Scottish League 2 football, so I don't think that gives it away for anybody. Scottish League 2? Well, yeah. No, unless I looked at the league table and saw who would have finished second last year, I wouldn't know. By all means. Uh, what does it begin with? Uh, it begins with D. Double D. Uh... No idea. It's Dumbarton. I've heard of them. Yeah, Dumbarton won two titles. Um, Yeah, which is, you know, basically the only team that is outside the Premier League, or, well, has been in the Premiership recently. They're the only team, really, that has um, won it outside of the, the bigger clubs, shall we say. Uh, they were one of the most successful teams of the 19th century, winning the Scottish Football League in the first two seasons of the competition. Uh, yeah. uh, so I told a lie about First Lanark being the first winners. Uh, they actually won it in 1903-1904. And, uh, great season. And, yeah, runners-up were, were ha- Hamilton Academical were the runners-up that season. Oh, but right. um, it's been predominantly Rangers and Celtic since then. 
I imagine. Um, <laughs> they got yeah. over a hundred combined, haven't they? So. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, just a an, they've had an obscene amount of titles between them. So, okay. yeah. But anyway, yeah, well done. Nine and a half. I'll take not bad it. at all. That was quite difficult. I deliberately made that difficult because right. we don't know much about Scottish football. Uh, so I've got I've got who am I this week? Now, yes, this is either going to be a very difficult one or a very easy one. Depends. I will run through the list of teams. They are still playing, so I cannot give away their current team. Okay. So they are still playing. Okay. Yeah. So. They started their senior career at West Ham. But yeah. whilst at West Ham, they went on loan to West Brom, Swindon, Swansea, Barnsley, Charlton, Gillingham and Barnsley again. Blimey. Okay. Before signing for Wolves. And right. then at Wolves, they then left and they signed for Ipswich. Whilst at Ipswich, they went on loan to Coventry year after they signed for Coventry then they signed for Tanjin Songjiang and whilst there wow. they went on loan to Neymongol Zonghyu that's an excellent before, pronunciation before uh, going to Gillingham <laughs> <laughs> of course and then it's Gillingham Southend Newport Colchester. Oh, uh, I think it's just come to me. Plymouth. Back to Colchester on loan. Resigned for Colchester. Leighton Orient on loan. And last season they were at Torquay United. I, yeah, I think it, it, it. I was I was wondering where this was going, Chris. Yeah. But I think it's it's come to me and. <laughs> Um, I don't think any listeners would have heard our chat before the uh, before the recording of this about um, he, him playing for Yeovil Town, I believe. Now, maybe he scored scored a bit of a wonder goal at the weekend from what did you say, forty yards? Uh, yeah, about thirty-five, forty yards. Thirty-five, forty yards. So I think it's Frank Newble. It is, yes. But that's just because we were talking about him before the podcast started. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have had no chance. <laughs> I looked. I I looked at him and I thought I have to do him just because of purely the amount of clubs he's played for. Ridiculous um, amount, I don't know if isn't you know, it? If you knew this, and I didn't know this until I looked, but his youth career was spent at Chelsea. He was at Chelsea between two thousand and four and two thousand and nine, before signing for West Ham. His first senior contract. I didn't know this. But it was it was listing the the loan clubs for West Ham, and I was thinking this place really got to have turned it around with its next couple of moves to you know be sort of fresh in the memory and sort of still yeah. playing, and to then go Wolves to Ipswich, and I'm thinking I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> Through to <laughs> Tianjin Sonjiang, and I'm like. Yeah. It sounds like he's retired already, and it was only when you got to the Colchester, Plymouth, Colchester, Colchester loan, Colchester permanent, I was like, oh yeah, I think I know where this is finally going, but yeah, he's he's done alright for Yeovil so far. 
by the looks of yeah, things. He's, he's had a good start, to be fair. I think he's nine. I think he's four goals in nine games, which isn't too bad considering his record previously. I mean, he, he's not the most prolific. Let's just say no, he's not. He's um, he hasn't actually played all that much in the last two three years. I don't know whether he's had injury problems, but I'm looking he's at only Wikipedia He's 31, page. though. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, he was a real talent. I, I mean, in his younger days, I remember, like, I think, it, I think it must have been when Wolves or Ipswich picked him up, and they had real high hopes for him. I, I'm sure I remember watching him in a West Ham game in the FA Cup or something, is, and he played he's, really well, but just obviously really never strong. made it. I mean, yeah. They were pumping a lot of balls up to him. On Saturday, that seemed to be the game plan: was to hit it long, have him bring it down. To feed England, the youth, England youth international as well. Played for under yeah, seventeen and under nineteen. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know if he'll yeah. be playing when I go on Saturday. I don't really know the team that they're going to put out on Saturday. Um, I guess there's no reason not to. Put out a strong side. I mean, AFC Stoneman are in the same league as Sherborne, so I don't know. Um, Undoubted quality, then. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, but I thought when um, Jake Hyde came on on Saturday, he did quite well as well. When he came on, he came on at half time, so he did well. I mean, they got some, do, good, they got some yeah, good players. Could do with a on. decent, decent run in the FA Cup. Get a little bit of um, money behind them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, budget-wise, you've got a pretty good budget for National League. South. Oh yeah, yeah. They just signed another player yesterday. Another, uh, another defender from Hart. He was playing for Hearts last year. Um, he was. Ireland international as well. So, yeah, I, I would have thought that they'll. He'll get some look in on Saturday. I think I think they get seven subs on Saturday because they they can in nationally stuff. They can have five. Yeah, yeah. small squads. Yeah, very small teams. Yeah, so wait wait and see what happens. But hopefully, it'll be good news on on Saturday. And like you said, a good cut run. Doing good. We'll find out find out next week. I suppose how they got on. Anything you'll else? Have to give us, you'll have to give us a match report. <laughs> Anything else, Liam? No, nothing from me. Right, so that's it for this week. So we'll see you next week.